Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 194 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Join by my co-host tonight, he is Adnan Egich at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, doing well. You know, the Braves are on a 13-game winning streak. Uh, we have the NBA draft next week, and we're slowly making our way to training camp next month. So yes. the only thing I can complain about right now is the weather, because it, in Atlanta, it's it was, a, what, 98 today with yeah. extreme humidity. Yeah, it sounded pretty rough down there. Uh, it was actually somewhat hot in Syracuse today. I think it was like an 83 high. So that was that's a hot day up here. So uh, <laughs> it was slightly, you know, uncomfortable up here. Uh, well, I noticed North. Aaron yeah. and myself both both started shaking our heads. <laughs> at that yes, yes, it's uh, you know, it's a very different climate up here. We'll say, but also joining us as I not said, we have Aaron Freeman. Of the Locked On Falcons podcast, he's at Falcfans on Twitter. Aaron, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. You know, Adnan said he doesn't have much to complain about, so they brought me in to yeah. uh, sort of compensate. Yeah, we can't have too much positive positivity on the show. You know, we we have all these comments about how we're we're too negative. So instead of like you know listening to those comments, we're just going to keep having Aaron on every time you guys complain that we're too positive or too negative. We're going to bring Aaron back on so you can learn the error of your ways, uh, <laughs> so we can make sure to get that negativity. No, no, yeah, we're yeah. we're all haters secretly. You know, so. Yeah, in, instead of becoming <laughs> positive, we'll just make ourselves look less negative by having Aaron on for his take. By association. This is really brilliant on our part. But That's a great move, guys. Oh, yeah. Great job there. Great job by us. Um, but, yeah, guys, welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to get to some mini camp takes. Uh, Michael Rothstein from ESPN was nice enough to deliver some notes that we can spend probably way too much time and energy dissecting. Um, but that's the time of year, okay? Like, this is what we have to break down. We're going to break it down uh, and make it seem important, uh, even though it's probably not. That's just what we do here. Um, also, we'll talk about stuff that might be important, like the offensive line. We're going to break that position group down. Uh, one of the more hotly debated, interesting position groups on the team. So, I'm excited to see uh, what what we get to there. And, you know, our overall takes, because I know we can't use, I guess, McGarry Island. We can't use it anymore. But I know I know Aaron's a big fan of Caleb McGarry, uh, you know, and, and by that, I mean, you know, he's just a bigger fan than it seems like every Falcons fan is not that he's like obsessed with Caleb McGarry or something. Maybe he is. I don't know. Is that a Caleb McGarry jersey? No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, we'll get into the offensive line, too. Um, and just a couple of notes. It's before purple. It, it's actually Caleb McGarry University of Washington. Oh man, it goes way back then. I'm I'm impressed, big time, big time. So, um, 
Yeah, I uh, we're gonna get to that, of course. Uh, before we do, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, this month we we're doing our uh, training camp fundraiser, so all donations, all questions, that sort of stuff is gonna go towards training camp. Um, if you'd like to donate to that, the link is in the show description. It's streamlabs.com/slash/thefalcoholic. I think it's also gonna be showing up below us here in this little middle area, um, and we will obviously answer any questions you have uh, through that. And also, you know, like and subscribe, all the usual stuff. Um, check out the Patreon. You guys know the drill. Uh, let's get to the takes. So we had two days of practice to dissect. There will not be a third day. The Falcons are going to, you know, do something like, uh, top golf, I guess, tomorrow. So, you know, what hashtag no days off. Come on guys. Um, I know, I think there were people complaining about the Broncos doing that. So I just had to get mm-hmm. that in, but, uh, <laughs> I personally seven don't games care. last year and they're playing top golf. Yeah, they're yep. playing top golf in June. How dare they? How dare they? Um, but you know, other than the top golf thing, which is you know we're, we're not going to really spend any time on the top golf thing I mean, because even I won't complain about that one. Guys. Yeah, you know, because top golf is fun. Okay, guys, if you've never done top golf, that's just a great I team building you, exercise. I promise you, there's someone out there who's absolutely furious at the team <laughs> going to play top golf. Right? There's someone just you know losing his mind. How dare they? <laughs> First of all, how dare you? Yeah, um, I, I honestly am picturing that, and it's really funny. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy that for a while. But before we get to the actual practice notes, uh, they did have six uh, players in for tryouts, um, and I'll read those off real quick, just so everyone knows. They haven't signed anyone yet. They, they may, but uh, they had linebacker Dakota Allen. Defensive lineman Isaiah Bugs, uh, national championship winner with Alabama. Uh, offensive lineman Adam Kuhn, who I guess was like a world champion wrestler. Uh, defensive lineman Jalen Dalton from the Saints, who Saints fans actually seem kind of upset to lose, so he's a little bit interesting. Uh, a UDFA wide receiver, Amika Amizi, who's just a big wide receiver who's also athletic, so he makes sense. And then uh, veteran center Jonathan Harrison who uh, hasn't played a snap in the last two years, but has started like 45 games. Um, so, you know, possibly a veteran addition there. Uh, Adnan, any any thoughts uh, on any of those guys there? Um, that you like, you don't mean? like, do you care in the slightest? To be completely honest with you, not really. Um, <laughs> however, if I did have to fire off a take, uh, Jalen Dalton seems like a, a pretty pretty nice dude you know he's uh he has some nfl experience with the saints you said yourself saints fans weren't happy that he's gone uh and you know if we can if we can rub salt in that wound just a little bit i'm i'm all for it but in all honesty it's it's june tryouts like i i'm not really i i really have no no deeper takes than that yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's that's very fair, Aaron. Any of these uh, guys worth a mention? I know some people are excited about Bugs. Uh, hasn't really hasn't really done anything, you know. Jonathan Harrison's a veteran, but yeah, anything on your end that that intrigues you mildly? Well, I, I will say that there's no reason that the Falcons have to sign anybody now that no football actually be played until we get to training camp. So. I would not expect any imminent signings. We'll probably get some roster moves right that week before training camp, like we did last year when they brought in, I think that was when they brought in Jason Spriggs and maybe a couple other guys. Um, But of this group, 
you know, looking at the trench players, that's an area of the roster where I think a lot of people expected the Falcons to add some help. I don't think any of these guys really move the needle, but as you guys say, Jalen Dalton, Isaiah Bugs, because that depth there at that D line is so weak that anybody they kind of sign at this point is probably a good bet to make the roster moving forward. So of this group, those would be the most intriguing ones just because they have the best possibility of making a team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Jalen Dalton in particular intrigues me like a nine point something RAS. So, you know, six, six defensive lineman. This team really likes length. Um, so that's the one I would look at as maybe we'll see that as like a training camp signing. And then Dakota Allen's like a good special teams player, but um, the rest of these guys, you know, a little bit interesting, but not anything too meaningful. Um, getting to the mini camp practice notes now. Uh, there were some people that weren't out there, um, but from the guys that were out there, I know uh, one that I kept seeing mentioned was uh, Kaderil Hodge, the wide receiver, uh, getting the primary reps at Gunner, catching some passes, catching some touchdowns, doing all this stuff. And Aaron, I know you're a big fan of Kaderil Hodge from his you know special teams contributions. So what do you, is this just you know fulfilling the prophecy that Kaderil Hodge is going to make the roster over some of these other guys that everyone's real excited about? Or yes, that's that's basically it in a nutshell, Kevin. Yes. You know, there's nothing I would love to do better than sit here and say I told you so in June about <laughs> a roster battle that won't actually occur until August. But certainly, this is making my hot. Kadero Hodge takes look a lot cooler uh, at this point. Yes, the, the early returns are excellent. You know, the odds on Kadero Hodge uh, making the roster, they would have gone down. So if you bought in when when Aaron told you to, you'd be making a lot of money now. But um, there, as it stands now, it's late. Some, yeah. There's got to be some degenerate out there who's who put actual money on Kadero <laughs> Hodge. Is that actual the futures? Like, can you do that? Like, is that? Do people actually bet on that? I, probably they do. I'm probably pretty sure do. you can bet on literally anything out there. So, yeah. you know, they pro- <laughs> there was probably like minus 140 odds or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Big time. So, and yeah. I, I the stock is looking good. Yeah. Unlike my crypto, it's looking oh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. Love the crypto jab as well. Great job there by you. Um, yeah, there was... Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I really thought was interesting. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read through the notes at all. Um, Drew Dahlman, maybe the big one that kind of ties into what we're talking about today. Drew Dahlman splitting reps with the starters uh, with Matt Hennessy at center. Um, you know, it's, it seems like that's the competition to watch right now because... Nobody else is really like Jalen Mayfield seems to be pretty much unchallenged at left guard. So, um, God yeah, forbid any we thoughts bring on anyone, that? Yeah. yeah, God forbid we bring anyone in to challenge Jalen Mayfield. But no, no. Um, while Aaron's uh, takes on Kaderil Hodge are looking good, my takes about Matt Hennessy turning the corner and becoming a, a very solid long-term center, uh, you know, they took a little bit of a hit with uh, with the Drew Dahlman news. But, you know, uh, I welcome the I welcome the competition, and uh, yeah, no, it's definitely a competition to watch. Uh, remember, Hennessy was not drafted by this regime. Uh, he was a third-round pick in the last year of Dimitrov and Quinn. Um, Drew Dahlman was, albeit he was a fifth-round pick. His RAS score was, what, a 9.9, something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, so, you know, th- this will definitely be, it'll definitely be a great competition to look, to look out for. I'm looking forward to watching that as much as I am the wide receiver competition in, uh, in training camp and in the preseason. 
Uh, but I said it last week. I just hope that they actually let us watch the offensive linemen in training camp, unlike <laughs> last year where they actually where they just put them all the way over there um, and yeah. hid them from public view for good reason, as we <laughs> saw come the regular season. Yes, um, exactly. But yeah, I, I definitely welcome the competition and I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting one. One of the more interesting ones for sure, um, because I agree with what you said in that this seems to be a serious competition. You have to think that they like Drew Dahlman, seeing as they this is this regime, regime who drafted him. Um, but like Matt Hennessy wasn't, you know, the worst center in the league. If you ask PFF, he was like the top, you know, he was like a top seven center. I don't think any of us were that high on him, but as a run blocker, he showed some good things as a pass blocker, less so. Um, and we only really saw Drew Dahlman for like 70 or 80 snaps. And, you know, what we saw, I think, looked promising. But um, that seems to be where the early competition is happening. And, Aaron, do you do you have a take on, on the very, very early center competition? Do you think Matt Hennessy will emerge victorious once again? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I came out of the season after rewatching the offensive line and remembering how well, kind of Drew Dahlman played in that week one game against Philadelphia in, in the second half, playing some left guard. And I was like, oh, yeah, he actually played pretty well. I forgot he played in that game. And then that made me sort of think like, yeah, I think this is going to be a legit competition. And you go back to during the se- late in the season when they just suddenly started rotating the two centers, yeah, yeah. you know, at, at a point in the season where I don't think most people were complaining about the center play, uh, maybe after that Patriot game. But like uh, outside of that. Like most people were focused on the left guard and right tackle position, but it was Matt Hennessy that started losing snaps. And so that kind of told you that the team was not maybe necessarily in love with Matt Hennessy to the degree that I think, you know, people thought. So I, I think this is definitely a real competition moving forward. And I think if you can just take Drew Dolman's flashes, uh, you can certainly talk yourself into him being, you know, a, a decent option for the team. Although, as you say, Kevin, it wasn't as if, you know, I think Drew Dahlman's strength is his run blocking, not necessarily his pass protection. Um, so you you do wonder that if he does wind up winning a competition, how much of a change is it going to be? Because you're going to have another second-year inexperienced center that's not a great pass protector but known for his run blocking starting for you. So I don't know if I can get behind it's going to be dramatically different. But, you know, at, we're at the point where we're just kind of trying to find who's who's going to be a long-term asset here rather than necessarily the short-term gains. And so if Drew Dahman can sort of unseat Matt Hennessy and make us a little less frustrated after the season, I think that will be a, a step in the right direction for the Falcons at the center position. Yeah. I no still kidding. believe, I still believe in the growth of Matt Hennessy. I think, it, I, think it's I like Hennessy. Okay. I like Hennessy. Yeah. I mean, I like Dahman too. Like I, I, I feel better about that position than le- like way better than left guard, because I feel oh, like yeah. between those two guys, it's like one of them is probably gonna be fine. Um, you know, whichever one it is, um, you know, I don't know that either one's going to be like great or something, but like fine, you know, maybe, maybe solid, you know, 60 level P you know, level 65 to to 70 level PFF starter that, you know, I think that's what we're hoping for. And I think they could both do that. Um, you know, technically they both finished with higher than a 70 PFF grade last year. I think we, we view Hennessy's as, you know, a little strange that it was that high, but it did happen. Um, so I, I think, I'm more comfortable there, less comfortable at left guard, but we'll see uh, if anything occurs there later in camp with them, with them adding somebody 
before training camp or whatever. Um, but there was no context. It's not like we could even tell if these guys were getting killed or were playing well or whatever at this point. Um, let's see some other stuff um, that we heard last week, but uh, there was some competition at returner. Um, Avery Williams, you have to think is the favorite, but with him sort of switching to running back, it makes it a little bit more interesting maybe about where is he going to play? Is he going to be able to crack the roster at running back? They also had Demir Bird returning punts and kicks. I believe he has a return touchdown in the NFL in his past, so he's someone that we know can do it. Uh, Alameda Zacchaeus getting some opportunities. You know, They also were working in some other guys like like Jared Bernhardt, the, the undrafted free agent. Brian Edwards got a few, but you have to think he's probably going to be more of an offensive player. You know, I don't know if they really want him returning kicks. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aaron, I'll go to you first on this. Do, do you th- still see Avery Williams as sort of the clear favorite for return, or do you think one of these other guys has a shot? Yeah, I think, no, I think it's Avery Williams all the way. I just think right now they're trying to figure out who's going to be his backup in the event that he gets hurt, right? Like when we had Devin Hester, it wasn't like we were at, having Devin Hester out there, you know, returning punts and, and stuff in the preseason. It was all about, you know, who was, I don't even, Bernard Reedy and, and whoever else we had back then. Um, and so, like, you just want to have an option that you can say, okay, this guy can do the job if we need him to step up in the middle of the season when Avery Williams, uh, if, I should say, not win, if Avery Williams goes down for for whatever the reason being. Um, but, yeah, Avery Williams all the way. He, he did a very solid job, great kickoff return last year. Thought his punt returns were a little iffy, but certainly an area that he can improve upon. Uh, but I think right now this is really about depth and, and competition. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and um, I just really – Avery Williams played really well, like to the point where they were like, you know, we really don't need to have Cordero Patterson back here. Like we can just let Avery Williams do it. Um, I think he, he played really well at returner, so I think he has he has a great shot at, at winning the job again. Adnan, what do you think about that returner battle? you think it's Avery Williams to lose still? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Avery Williams proved himself last season. He was a really, really good returner. I think – did PFF grade him as the highest – graded returner in the NFL last year. Um, he was incredibly impressive. And yeah, I'm with Aaron. I think they're just looking for the backup because I think they would rather not have Cordero Patterson ever returning the ball uh, moving forward just because they saw how important Patterson is to this offense and what an asset he can be on the offensive side of the ball. You don't want to risk him getting injured. Uh, in the return game. So yeah, I, I think, I think Avery Williams will have this job comfortably. Um, but the thing is that uh, this does make me question the running back battle because Williams, he made that move over to running back and that just takes away a spot from, you know, from like, or is the team, the team's probably going to carry four running backs now. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so if the team carries four running backs, what's that? What ramifications is that going to have with the rest of the roster? Um, that's that's something we'll figure out in August. But you know that that's just those little intricate things you have to look at with uh with with this kind of stuff when you know who your returner is going to be. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know I I it sort of just makes it really hard for those guys that were probably competing for that fourth spot like. When we talked about the running back position, we were like, oh, yeah, well, like, Quadri, Quadri Olison's probably going to have a shot. Jeremy McNichols, who they just signed. You, Caleb Huntley. These guys are going to be duking it out. And now it's like, well, if Avery Williams is getting the fourth spot because he's the returner, um, those guys are probably hoping for the practice squad now. Uh, which, you know, I, it's it's not what they're hoping for, I'm sure. But um, 
I do honestly think it's easier to carry Williams at running back than at corner. Um, I think the competition for the actual corner spots is probably going to be a lot more fierce. Um, and the Falcons are probably going to prefer to keep a sixth corner that's not just a pure special teams guy. Um, based on what we're hearing, that seems to be the case. So uh, I think it helped the math a little bit to have him as the fourth running back who, look, honestly, you're not really depending on your fourth running back to play a lot on offense. You know, that that guy probably isn't active most weeks to play running back, but to play special teams, it's fine. You could activate that guy or whatever. So um, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how Williams does at running back too. I mean, he has played it before. I think he played it in high school. I think he went initially was initially recruited to play running back possibly. So um, it's, it's not like he's never done it before. Uh, and I think the size doesn't matter quite as much at that position so uh excited about that um should we talk about offensive playmaker extraordinaire felipe franks anyone uh i feel like every practice we're hearing about felipe franks now which is just the wildest possible timeline um so Adnan, what do you think about uh, felipe franks making plays on offense well you know i think felipe <laughs> franks has a really good chance of unseating mariota <laughs> and taking his rightful spot as the the starting quarterback, which the starting is what wildcat quarterback, <laughs> yeah, which is what he what the position he should have been in last year. But you know, politics dictated that it had to be Matt Ryan. Um, no, it's a uh, Felipe Franks. Arthur Smith just has this infatuation with Felipe Franks, and you know, it just reminds me of the infatuation that Sean Payton has with Taysom Hill. Maybe not to that extent to the point where you know uh arthur smith will want to sign felipe franks long term but i i don't know like he's a he's a fine practice squad guy but he was actually getting some snaps last year yeah (laughs) and you know apparently they really like him and you know maybe arthur smith has some tricks up his sleeve for him none of them worked last year but yeah it's it's really it's a really unique case study and it's, it's a really fascinating thing to watch play out. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think about Felipe Franks taking, taking over the offense as this all purpose weapon? He's this year's quarter Patterson, right? Um, yeah, man, I, I feel like I got to plant my flag now because I know everybody's going to hate Felipe Franks this summer because part of my brand is to be contrarian. I'm going to, I'm going to fall in love with Felipe Franks. <laughs> <laughs> this summer to be just to be different. Weird timeline. Like, yeah, I, I I see the vision, Arthur Smith. You, you're going to turn Felipe Franks into the next Logan Thomas. I get it. I understand what you're trying to do. It's we're like six years away from that happening, but like you know, I get the vision or whatever the case may be. So, um, I, I'm curious to see how far Arthur Smith is willing to push this stuff. Like <laughs> we know Felipe Franks, you don't want him on the football field at quarterback. We saw that last year. Him yeah. and Josh Rosen, like. The, those garbage time snaps last year were some of the worst garbage time snaps we've ever seen a quarterback play in Atlanta. And we've yeah. seen some bad quarterback play over the years, but um, not recently, obviously with Matt Ryan. I wasn't <laughs> yes. That. Before that, there were some dark times folks before Matt <laughs> yeah. Ryan. Okay yeah. guys. That's like, what I was referring to. Yep. Yep. Before anybody reads too much into it and, and jumps in the comments and Kevin has to spend the next couple of days fending that person off. But yep. um, yeah, man, I, I like the two snaps Felipe Franks played at tight end, I thought like, hey, okay, that's decent. 
all the other stuff that they did with Felipe Franks, I did not like. So the, the Wildcat stuff, the quarterback stuff, no. So I'm for the Falcons giving him more looks at tight end. You know, Arthur Smith loves him some tight ends. And, you know, if we can develop a decent a poor man's Logan Thomas, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's he's probably not going to be an answer at quarterback. So if they're just trying to find him a place on the roster, he's a great athlete. I mean, I think even if you run his numbers at tight end, it, it's pretty good. So, um, you know, I'm fine with it for training camp, you know, but I, I, I think to actually make the roster, like we need to see something on offense, like that he can actually play offense and not just be kind of a gimmick. Um, I mean, it's it, so far, like he's been one of the more targeted players because I think he's been catching touchdowns. So like if that carries over into training camp at preseason, then it's like, oh, wow, this is like actually happening. Like he might be the fourth tight end or whatever, but um, we still need to see it. That's all. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to talk about. So yeah. I, I, I want to make the point clear. I, I agree with Adnan that he's a practice squad guy. This is a perfect practice squad player, not yeah. a guy that's going to stay on the roster. I just I'm just, you know, me being me, I, I'm going to enjoy when we get to late August. And everybody's pulling their hair out that, you know, Felipe Franks is taking away a roster spot from some training camp preseason favorite. <laughs> yes. Now that this summer we'll actually get to see some of these guys play in the preseason. Yep. Yes. That will be a nice development as well. So, um, oh, thank God me and Kevin have to do play by play for those games. It, it can get brutal. <laughs> it gets brutal. I'm, I'm going to miss the simulator though. The Matt people, Sims simulator. People don't understand. Like I complained <laughs> about it mostly because it just was not giving me the usual content that I crave. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we wait all year. You know, it's a long summer, and then it's like, oh yeah, uh, Arthur Smith is running Felipe Franks out there, and in the second you know. quarter, you know, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh god. Well, doesn't hopefully I'll, we won't have to endure that again. Yeah. Re- remember how we were going to see Kyle Pitts in, in the third preseason game? Then he put him in for a play. Yeah, it was a great play too. We talked about that play for like two days. Yeah, but... yeah, we, put, we talked about that play for like two weeks actually. Because yeah. we, we talked about it on many talk shows. About. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's hilarious. Um, but speaking of quarterback play, uh, we have gotten some updates on the quarterback competition. After a hot start for Ritter, it's Mariota coming in hot. He impressed the last OTAs. He was clearly the better quarterback at minicamp. Mariota has been looking pretty darn good, according to Rothstein. Uh, Very crisp passes is how I believe he described him. Um, Just sharp, knows the offense, delivers the ball accurately on time, that sort of stuff. Um, And again, none of this is, is shocking or surprising. I think it was obviously cool to hear about Ritter succeeding really early, um, but once Mariota got more involved, I, I sort of figured that it, Mariota would, would be the, the early favorite. And I mean, I think we were all going to be pretty surprised if Ritter was making like a serious, serious push for the starting job. Um, like week one, you know, we'll see how things develop over the course of the season, but, uh, Mariota, the, the clear winner so far, uh, Aaron, what do you think about that? Is that surprising to you in any way? Should fans be freaking out that Desmond Ritter is not already just outplaying the, you know, every, should we be worried that the Ritter's just not better than Mariota from day one? You know, should we be panicking? Uh, no, I don't think you should be worried about it. I mean, (laughs) if you were firmly in the camp that Desmond Ritter was going to be Matt Ryan 2.0 and take the bull by the horns and, you know, have a great May and June and then carry that over into July and August and then lead the Falcons to the playoffs. Yeah. If you had those expectations at this point, like those are, you you should be worried about that. 
not coming true, but I think that's only a very, very small percentage of Falcon fans that were, were thinking that was going to happen. Um, so I, I think for the rest of us, you know, normal folks, I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's fine. Like Mariota's going to start the season, which he should, and we'll see how long he lasts. That's That depends on how many games the Falcons win, how competitive they are when he's the starter, and if they can remain in playoff contention. Uh, which, you know, I personally don't think it's going to last that long into the season, but um, we'll see. I think Mariota can get two months, maybe three this yeah. season. And then I think it'll be time to turn the keys to Desmond Ritter. And, you know, no one's going to be worried about, you know, him going one for four or whatever in a mini camp practice, <laughs> seven on yep. seven session, once we get to like November and December. And, and he's, you know, actually played against some real NFL players in the preseason and, and maybe got some reps at various points, you know, throughout the season, sprinkled here, sprinkled there. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about it if you're not on this sort of rushed Desmond Ritter is going to be the savior of the franchise timeline. Yes. Yeah, that's that's where I think most of us are. So you shouldn't be upset at this point. But, uh, yeah, Anna, what do you think? You know, are, are you are you happy to see Mariota, ri- you know, rising up? Or, or are you disappointed that, that Ritter hasn't, you know, taken the bull by the horns yet? I mean... I'm not. Ex- I wasn't expecting Ritter to come in here and just be Matt Ryan again, or Matt Ryan the same way that we had Matt Ryan in 2008. There is a reason why Marcus Mariota was brought in and given that money, and you know, there's a reason why the Falcons gave away that fourth round comp pick as well. But that's neither here nor there. But it wasn't a come in and to back up a rookie. Uh, I think that Mariota will start the season. I think that that was always the plan. Uh, I don't think that they want to rush uh, Desmond Ritter right from the beginning, especially in that first game against the New Orleans Saints. Like that's going to be a very intense atmosphere to throw a rookie in in, in his first ever game. Um, uh, my prediction is what it has been the entire offseason for Mariota. I think unless he's really just carrying the Falcons to wins and the team is in a legitimate in the legitimate playoff hunt into October into November, I think Ritter will take over sometime week eight, week nine. Uh, I think it's uh, there's a game against Carolina, which is on a Thursday night. I think that's the week nine game. Uh, after that one seems like uh, a good time to to insert Ritter into the starting lineup, possibly when you have those extra three days of rest before the next game. Uh, that's where I think Ritter will, will take over unless the, the team is like, you know, five and four or five and five at that point or better Then it's like, okay, you know, you, you roll with Mariota, but if the team is sitting there like three and seven after 10 weeks, then yeah, definitely. I think Ritter will get his chance. Yeah, I think so. And I think that that's the way to do it too. We'll see. Uh, how it goes throughout the rest of training camp. But I think right now it's going about as expected. Like I think Ritter has shown some early flashes and I think Mariota has been about as advertised, which is that I think we all believe that he'll be sort of a solid starter. You know, I don't know that any of us have big expectations for him, but I think he'll be a capable steward of the offense. I think it'll be watchable. I think it'll be fine. Um, You know, I I don't think it's going to be high flying or anything like that, but you know, Marietta was brought in here to, to run the offense, to keep the offense on schedule, to keep this team afloat for a year. 
while the team while the Falcons figure out what they want to do long term at the quarterback position, and I think he'll do a good job. And nothing we've seen so far has uh, made me think that that won't happen. So, um, I hope Mariota is able to you know have a better year than expected, and maybe parlay that into a starting job somewhere again. I think that's what he's hoping for too. So, um, you know, good luck to him certainly. Um, and also, we had a tip coming from Zach Langston with the three dollars. Thank you so much. Zach, uh, I didn't see a question, Zach. If you meant to add a question, throw it in the chat. I'll, I'll read it off. Um, but if you're just trying to donate to the training camp fund, thank you very much. We appreciate that, man. So um, let's see if there was anything else. I know it was notable um, that the two rookies that seemed to get the most run with the starters were Drake London. That's not surprising. But the other one was actually Troy Anderson, the linebacker, getting a lot of run with the starters because Deion Jones is not there. Um, so that, that was interesting to me. Um, we also saw, I think today, Arnold Epicady and D'Angelo Malone get a lot of work with the, uh, the veterans and the starters. And then, uh, undrafted rookie corner D Alford, who's played in the CFL. He was also getting some reps with the, uh, the starters. So, um, yeah, Adnan, any, any of those developments interest you? Um, not in a vacuum, uh, as per saying that, oh yeah, I'm surprised that Anderson is getting run with the starters or something like that, just because, you know, he, he was a second round pick, uh, Abby Katie, a second round pick, D'Angelo Malone, uh, was a third round pick. What this does tell me and what I really like is the fact that it seems at least from, from early indications, it being, you know, still June. It seems like the coaching staff will have some reliance on these rookies. Uh, it seems like they will give these rookies a legitimate opportunity, you know, to play early this season. And I think that's the right way to go about it. This is a this is going to be let's let's be honest a rebuilding year. Uh, I don't expect the Falcons to be making a run to the playoffs. Call me a hater, but you know, Aaron Freeman's right there. He's he's probably has even harder takes about the Falcons than I do. Um, but the, I, I, I really am encouraged by the fact that they are putting these young guys out there with the veterans in, in June this early. This tells me that, you know, they'll probably get a lot of run this season. And I that's something that I really want to see. I, I'm sure that that's something that a lot of the fan base wants to see. And, you know, if there are mistakes, there are mistakes. There's always mistakes with young guys. But I don't think that the veterans on this roster are really so talented to the point to where, you know, you, you're you not playing your rookies who you took on, on day two of the draft. Uh, you know, I I don't think that the Falcons are, are that good at that level quite yet. Uh, and, you know, I think that we'll see we'll see a lot of these rookies and I, I, I welcome that development. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I... I like seeing those guys get a chance. I don't think it's necessarily anything major at this point, but it's certainly something to monitor. Uh, Aaron, did any of those guys getting reps with the vets, any of those names stand out to you in terms of guys you think might be getting a little bit of an advantage early on in terms of uh, potential to, to make the roster? I mean, for obviously for the rookies like London, Anderson, Ebicady, Malone, there's not really any concern they're going to make the roster, but someone like D. Alford, you know, that, that's a little bit more meaningful for them. Yeah, D. Alford's one of the names that stood out. Troy Anderson's another. You know, Alford potentially being that backup cornerback that the Falcons need. Last year when, you know, A.J. Terrell or Fabian Moreau got nicked up, 
We were forced to have to play guys like TJ Green and Chris Williamson. Obviously, we know how big a, a loss Isaiah Oliver's injury was and sort of having a rotation of three rookies to fill that void. So having some cornerback depth and if D. Alford can be that guy that can emerge given his time in the CFL and playing pretty well there to get an NFL contract gives you some confidence that maybe he can be that backup. So in the event of an injury to Hayward or, or A.J. Terrell, like this off, this defense, I'm sorry, uh, won't completely break down. And when it comes to Troy Anderson, you know, I'm a little surprised to see him get as early run, but I think it's a positive sign. You know, I thought he was going to get this sort of redshirt year um, just because of all the other veteran bodies we have at the linebacker position that you could probably make do. And we know how DPs was very adamant about sticking with the veterans to, to run his system and whatever the case may be and didn't feel that comfortable playing a lot of the rookies last year uh, because they needed a year to learn the system. And I assume Troy Anderson would fit that same category this year. So the fact that he seems to be ahead of the curve is certainly a promising sign that he may be ready to hit the ground running sooner versus later. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it is encouraging. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see it because he's got all the talent. It's just a question of this is a guy that hasn't played a ton of linebacker, like period to, to now have to step in and play at the NFL level. It's just, you know, how much are they going to put on his plate? You know, if they're asking him to do simple coverage stuff, it's possible he could get on the field early as a sub package guy. Um, I think it was more the run support that we were concerned about, considering that his his block shedding is sort of non-existent. His physical, you know, he's not like he he doesn't tackle or something, but the actual technique and the angles and that sort of stuff, it's it's something that's still developing for him. Um, but his background as a quarterback, as a running back, I think helps him out a lot um, playing in coverage. So I think that could be a place where we see him early on in sub packages. Um, and you know. If they do move on from Deion Jones, it's possible that Anderson is one of their primary coverage guys because, you know, Anderson's like Deion Jones if he was two inches taller, 20 pounds heavier, and more athletic. So, <laughs> And also, you know, not as good at playing linebacker. But uh, Deion Jones was a very good college linebacker. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, he was also a very good NFL linebacker for a time. Maybe he could be again. But it seems like maybe that won't happen in Atlanta, unfortunately. Um yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else super interesting. I don't know if you guys looked it over, if there's anything else you wanted to talk about specifically, but I think we hit all the the main the main notes from Rothstein, all the main things. Uh, let's see, anything else? No? no, I think we covered it. I think we covered it pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah, guys, so that's, that's minicamp. Uh, that is sort of the, the, I guess, end of the official off-season activities for the Falcons. Uh, the next thing will be training camp. Uh, it's, it's coming. So, you know, we just have one more month to get to. <laughs> one more month to get through with no information at all. So it, it'll be an interesting time. But to fill that void, we're going to continue our roster review series. Uh, it's going to be offensive line today, which of course is one of the more interesting positions I think on offense in terms of the potential for guys to just make the team or earn starting spots. Um, we can probably start off with the two guys that aren't going to have to fend off any competitors for their starting jobs. First one being left tackle, Jake Matthews criminally underrated year after year did sign a big extension. Um, going to be with the team Manning that left side for years to come. Uh, just a great guy, great teammate, 
and an above average left tackle at worst, very good pass protector. Um, yeah, I, I think Jake Matthews, we should expect him to keep playing at this level for several more years. You know, we'll see what happens long term. Um, you know, that he's getting to that point where maybe, you know, three to five years down the line, you want to start working on a backup plan or, or drafting, you know, a young tackle to groom here in the next few seasons. But other than that, I think he sort of fulfills everything we could ask for at left tackle. Um, you guys have any Jake Matthews takes or you just want to sing his praises? Um, I'll sing his praises. Uh, <laughs> I will say people hate on Jake Matthews too much and we've been saying it forever. It's very, very difficult. Not every team has a left tackle as good as Jake Matthews. I think he's one of, you know, the, a top 15 uh, left tackle in the league. And, you know, he's definitely anchored the left side of that uh, of that offensive line for years, you know, ever since they drafted him in what, what was it, the 2013 draft where, you know, they had the sixth pick. So, yeah, definitely I'm, I'm very happy that they extended him. I think it was a no-brainer decision. And, you know, I think that uh, as long as you have him at left tackle, everything else is easier because we saw just how ugly things can get when you don't have a, a good left tackle. Uh, we saw that in 2013. Uh, before before we drafted Jake Matthews. I, I think that was what – who who was that duo at left tackle? for the, It wasn't Sam Baker. He was always injured. Yeah, no, it was it, Lamar Holmes. <laughs> Lamar Holmes, oh, no. Lamar Holmes, and there was someone else. because Lamar Jeremy Holmes, Trueblood was oh, the God. right tackle. Be careful. Time. Don't say his name. Yeah. Like, he might come find you on Twitter like you did Dave. So <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it was someone other than Holmes because Holmes could never play more than three quarters because he was always gassed. Um, but yeah, definitely respect Jake Matthews, e- even if he's not, you know, he's not David Bakhtiari out there. Sure, he's not like an elite of the elite, but yeah, you know, he's he's very very good, and I think now he's the most he's the most tenured Falcon right now, right? Now now that Matt Ryan isn't there anymore, he's I been on the so. team the longest. Yeah. 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 I think he's the only person on my cup from the 2016 season that's still there. Uh, he's the last one now. Uh, I believe the cup had Jake Matthews, Vic Beasley, Patrick DeMarco, Matt Ryan. Um, so it's your fault, Kevin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was a cup. There was like one or two more guys in there, too. Uh, but. I believe, uh, I think Rob Desmond Trufant was one. Uh, so, you know, yeah, (laughs) it's, it's getting worse and worse. Uh, I don't think Julio was on there, but you know, it's, it's, it's something like that. So that's, that's unfortunate, but, uh, Josh Harris should still be on the team. He should be the longest tenured guy, but you know, that's, that's another, that's another conversation entirely. Friend of the show, Josh Harris. Friend of the show. Yeah. I hope he's he's on to greener pastures, perhaps. So good for him. Um, yeah, yeah, Jake Matthews, rock solid, left tackle, nothing to worry about there. The other spot we don't have to worry about is right guard with Chris Lindstrom, who's PFF, I believe, had him as like the sixth best guard or something like that in the NFL in their, in their projections for 2022. Just a really good all-around player uh, who since that first year uh, where he missed some games, you know, early on, um, 
just been a really rock solid contributor year after year. He's gotten better. He's entering his prime. Love Chris Lindstrom. Uh, Aaron, what do you think about right guard? Uh, and how good is Chris Lindstrom, who I feel like is always underrated still? Yeah, I mean, Chris Lindstrom's uh, arguably a top five guard, right guard, I guess, maybe. If you if you conclude all guards, maybe a couple left guards like Quentin Nelson, maybe bump him out of the top five. But top five right guard, which probably makes him a top 10 guard in the league. So that's uh, certainly indicative of his ability. You know, I have this kind of half-baked hot take on Chris Lindstrom, and it is that if it's not really a Chris Lindstrom take, it's more of a the Falcon center position taker, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, as we talked about earlier with Drew Dolman and Matt Hennessy. But if one of those guys doesn't emerge by the end of this year as a viable, decent starting center that we can feel good about going into next year, you know, my hot spicy take is like, maybe we should move Chris Lindstrom the center. <laughs> um, you know, when we drafted him, I, I kind of thought of him as a sort of, option as a long-term Alex Mack replacement if the Falcons don't successfully find because at that time we didn't we hadn't drafted Matt Hennessy so like that was kind of like a plan b for Chris Lindstrom so that's kind of my half-baked hot take that like maybe we can tinker with moving Chris Lindstrom to center because the player I compared him to when he came out was Ali Marpet and Ali Marpet did move uh for the Bucks for that one year to the center position when they kind of needed before they got Ryan Jensen. So that's kind of my spicy take. That is very spicy. I mean, I, I don't, we know his brother can play center so he, they can get together in the off season. He can teach him the ropes, you know, uh, I, there's no reason he couldn't play center. So I, I'm, that would be interesting to me. Uh, you know, you have to think center's a little bit more valuable than guard in general. Um, getting a good center in there. Uh, I guess it depends on which NFL team you ask. Cause some of them definitely don't pay enough attention to center, but yeah, that is an interesting take. I, I'm, I, uh, I haven't thought about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Um, so those two spots are very easy. We don't really have to argue about them. There's no back and forth. There's no questions. Those guys are set in stone for the foreseeable future. Uh, the other three spots less. So let's talk about right tackle first, because I know we have the, uh, resident, expert from McGarry Island. It's being name under construction, no longer McGarry Island, but um, Caleb McGarry still penciled in as the right tackle starter. I would still say he's the favorite, but the Falcons did bring in two veteran tackles in Jermaine Effetti and Elijah Wilkinson, plus a former Saints uh, guy, Rick Leonard, plus some UDFA. So there's been a, there's been some more room, you know, some, some efforts made at right tackle. We know they were sort of trying to push McGarry last year with Matt Gono, obviously that didn't work out for injury-related reasons. But um, Aaron, as the the McGarry Island expert, do you do you still feel confident that McGarry will emerge victorious this summer? No, not really. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> you know I, I, I lived on that island, you know, scrounging in dirt, eating dried-out coconuts all yeah, last year. It was year. like Castaway. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not a it was not a great existence on McGarry Island. I'll, I'll tell you that. But it was just better than some of the other islands uh, that, and when it comes to the Falcons' offensive linemen. It's basically the only yeah. selling point it has. It's, it's not as it bad beat, as that other one over there. Blood Island. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, um, you know, I, I think what was interesting about the Falcons' offseason, and you can certainly question they're not adding pieces at center and left guard, or at least significant pieces, but they did add a piece in Jermaine Effetti that if you were going to predict any of the starting five from last year, to lose their job based off of the, 
the quality of competition coming into camp. And no one thinks Jermaine Effetti is a superstar by any means. But with Chicago, when he was healthy, he was giving you like league average right tackle play. Yeah. Uh, and that's been sort of the issue with Caleb McGarry, where you get these wild swings where, you know, for the four games a year that he's really good, he's really good. And then there's like eight terrible games and then like four other decent games. And it all just kind of balances out to be like a below average NFL starter. Um, and so if, if you can get more reliable play out of Jermaine Effetti, like you can make a, a real easy case that it makes more sense for the Falcons to, uh, you know, replace Caleb McGarry. And, and that will move the needle a little bit on that right side for this offensive line. Um, so that was kind of the interesting thing about that. But at the same time, you know, as I walk myself back on shore to Caleb McGarry Island, um, I don't think the right side of the offensive line has been that big a problem when it's come to like the run blocking and the stunts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a testament to all the time that McGarry and Lindstrom have gotten the last, you know, three years with each other. They have some continuity there and that's what you're trying to build up with the rest of the unit. And so throwing a wrench into that and then hoping that, you know, the continuity that you gain on the left side with arguably lesser players doesn't make a ton of sense. So on that end, you know, I feel like McGarry's going to get all I have to sit here and say, I think McGarry's going to get a real competition from Jermaine Effetti. And I wouldn't be shocked if Jermaine Effetti wins the job outright. But at the same time, I do think McGarry, to answer your question, Kevin, is the smarter bet. Yeah, I think he's the favorite, but it wouldn't be shocking to me if Effetti ends up winning it. Also, Effetti is less than a year older than Caleb McGarry. I feel like Jermaine Effetti has literally been around the NFL forever. He hasn't. He's only been around, I think, since like 2017 or something like that. But he was just a really young rookie. Caleb McGarry was an older rookie, so they're they're almost the same age. So it's like you might be like, oh, or Fetty's just like 30 plus, you know? No, Fetty's like 27 and McGarry's like 26, so they're really not that far apart. I don't know if the Falcons are really going to be like, oh yeah, we're committing to Jermaine Fetty long term after this year. But um, you know, Fetty does have terrific size, also a good athlete. Um, there was one commenter on the Falcoholic that was adamant about pointing out that Effetti didn't always get along with his teammates, and he there was some fighting apparently on the Bears uh, involving uh, Effetti. So you know, to this one Falcoholic commenter who replied on literally, I believe it was every single comment on the post that was praising Jermaine Effetti, he commented to drive home just how much of a uh, quote d bag Effetti was. So I can't speak to that uh, area of Effetti's game, but I know this. This, uh, Falco, this Falcons regime has been pretty careful about who they bring in in terms of character guys. And they have former Bears staff members all over the place. So I, you have to think if, if Eddie was such a problem that they these guys who know, knew him pretty well probably wouldn't have brought him in. So I'm not that concerned about that. Um, but Adnan, what do you think? Do you think if Eddie will will give McGarry a run for his money or are you sticking with the uh, established starter? Uh, I think it'll be a legitimate competition for sure. Like, I don't think that they brought in a Fetty for no reason. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, just because of that continuity, uh, because McGarry knows this offense uh, at this point, he has a full year under it. He uh, is wor- he has been working with Chris Lindstrom since both guys were drafted in the first round. I think McGarry will end up winning it in week one. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a really interesting competition to watch throughout preseason and training camp, but I think the big thing that Effetti does is he shortens the leash on McGarry considerably. 
like previously the Falcons didn't have any swing tackle that was really a starting caliber guy who could go in there at the expense of, you know, one of the tackles. And now, you know, you have Jermaine Effetti who has NFL experience, who whom you can plug into that right tackle position uh, and be comfortable with it. So yeah. I think if McGarry gets off to a poor start this season, then I don't think that the Falcons and Arthur Smith will really hesitate to pull the plug on him and to insert Effetti uh, to see what they really have in him uh, moving forward. Yeah. I agree. I think it's sort of like, what do you prefer? Because McGarry offers you some really good games, and we've seen him have some really good games. Like the game, the famous game where he shut down uh, the Saints pass rusher Cam Jordan. Like that one always comes to mind. But the problem with McGarry is for every really good game, he's going to have a really bad game too. And there's a lot of that variation, that up and down can be really difficult to game plan around. Um it makes him hard to trust, you know, all these things. Um, so I think there's there's a reality where the Falcons could be like, look, we would rather have a guy that we think is going to be an average starter every week over a guy that's going to give us some great games and some bad games along the way. Um, so I, I just, I think it's probably more of a philosophical approach. Like, do you want sort of the steady play of a Fetty who a Fetty's biggest issue has always been penalties. Like if you look at his uh, pro football reference, like penalty numbers, like it's really funny. Like his like first three or four years in the NFL, he had just like this absurd number of penalties, like false starts and holdings and personal fouls and all this stuff. And then the last two years, he's barely had any. So he's, I think he's really improved that discipline side of his game. Um, and that was really the only thing that was holding him back because I think when he got on the field in terms of his ability, particularly at right tackle, I think he's been an average to above average player, but the penalties were a constant issue and those can, you know, really set an offense back. So if he's got the penalties under control, I think there's a scenario where he does look like the better option, provides more consistency. And look, I mean, I think the Falcons really are just going to be looking for that consistency. I think they're going to value that more, but we'll see. Um, I still think if Fetty sort of has to outplay McGarry, if it's a stalemate, they're probably going to go with the guy that's been doing the job for a long time because Look, continuity is important. You guys both said it. I agree. Um, but I sort of feel like if if, if Fetty has to be more impressive, but if he is, I don't think that McGarry is going to have, you know, a, a huge advantage per se. Like, I think that they will give the job to a Fetty if he wins it outright. Um, and I think they were willing to do that with Matt Gono last year too, if he had won the job. But um, all this to say that no matter what happens at right tackle, I think the tackle depth, with Ifedi here is better than it has been for a while. Like I think we have a legitimate sort of starting caliber swing tackle uh, in Ifedi, and I also like Elijah Wilkinson too, who we're going to talk about here uh, shortly as another you know guard tackle guy who has shown the ability to be an average starter or possibly a little bit better uh, in the past too. So I like the depth there. Where we don't like the depth as much because we we sort of talked about the Hennessy Dalman competition earlier. Uh, you guys know our thoughts there. That's going to be sort of an up-in-the-air battle. Hennessy has the advantage, but Drew Dahlman's going to get a legit shot. Um, left guard is the big point of concern because I think we're all sort of like, you know, whoever wins between Hennessy and Dahlman, they're probably going to be okay. Right tackle's probably going to be okay. But left guard is the spot where it's like Jalen Mayfield uncontested is very concerning. Uh, I... Uh, 
I I want Jalen Mayfield to succeed. I've I've been a fan of him. You know, I famously predicted he would start last year before training camp, and I didn't mean it. You know, to go like this. I I meant I thought that he would like really just outplay everyone, and it wouldn't just be this bad situation for him um, where he sort of got hosed and then had to come in and start 17 games. Uh, it was, it was tough for him. Um, and I think we all acknowledge that, that uh, it was a very difficult situation for Mayfield and he certainly got a long way to go. Um, but he's sort of the unquestioned starter right now. The only guys they brought in Colby Gossett, who couldn't supplant Mayfield last year. So you're sort of questioning how serious is that competition? The one interesting note that we actually didn't talk about in the training uh, in the mini camp notes was that Elijah Wilkinson was actually getting reps with the starters at left guard as well. So perhaps the competition is actually coming from Wilkinson uh, and not as some predicted from like a Drew Dahlman or a Colby Gossett. Uh, so what do you, uh, Adnan, I'll go to you first on that. What do you think about left guard? You know, are you at all comfortable with Jalen Mayfield, or are you really still hoping that they'll sign someone? What do you think about Elijah Wilkinson? Just whatever you, uh, whatever you got, give it to me. Uh, no, of course, I'm not comfortable with left guard, and I don't know how anyone can be comfortable with left guard at the moment. Um, you know, Jalen Mayfield, he did get hosed last year, and I really, really feel bad that um that he was put in that situation of you know the coaching staff really you know bungled this with Jalen Mayfield they put him out there at right guard throughout all of training camp throughout the preseason and then without even any you know legitimate reps at left guard uh they put him at right tackle because I think McGarry got hurt uh if I recall um, and without any legitimate, like, you know, reps, they put him out there in week one at left guard to face Fletcher Cox. And then in week two to face Vita Vea and, you know, to face those New York Giants defensive tackles in week three. He actually looked really good against the Giants for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, overall, you know, it was not a fair situation at all. However, you can't ignore the sample size of what you saw last year uh, from Mayfield. And I think because of what you saw last year, I think he was, he was among the lowest graded guards in the NFL. And he may have given up the most sacks among every left guard, according to PFF. I'm not entirely sure. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. But basically you can't look at what he did last year and be confident this year to the point where you don't bring in any legitimate competition uh, for him. Uh, maybe they sign someone in training camp. Uh, maybe they want to see what he looks like in, in the preseason. Sure, that that's fair. Um, I think if he looks really, really bad, then they won't really have a choice but to make a move. But right now, it's like there's not actual legitimate competition at left guard for Jalen Mayfield. It's not like Drew Dahlman versus Hennessy where, you know, that's a legitimate competition. It's like, not like the right tackle, tackle competition. Right now, as far as we know, Jalen Mayfield is a week one starter. And there's so little depth to the point where, you know, that leash is incredibly long on Mayfield because who else are you going to put in? You don't trust Colby Gossett to be the starting left tackle on an NFL team. 
at least with Mayfield, he's young enough to where you hope he can work through the mistakes a little bit. But there were a lot of mistakes last year. And, you know, if that repeats this year, I, I don't see how you can have just him on the roster, as far as I'm concerned, as a starting caliber left guard. I don't think he's starting caliber, but, you know, right now, you know, there's no other options. Yeah, I agree. It's it's concerning. You know, I, I think it's not it's not crazy that they want to see him play in the preseason or whatever. I think we're just saying, like, don't, like, wait to add a guy for depth. Like, I, I guess maybe maybe Elijah Wilkinson is that guy, and I think I certainly thought he'd be more of a factor at tackle. I thought that's where he's played his best ball. But if he's really – I mean, he's he was getting work at left guard, so maybe Wilkinson is the guy that is actually the veteran competition. But, again, I, I've mostly seen him play at tackle – I think he's been a pretty good tackle at times. I think he had that one year where he started for the Broncos at right tackle and was an above average starter. Um, so like maybe maybe that's who we should have been should be considering. But I mean, I I feel like you know a veteran like Quentin Spain who has experience in the scheme, it he wouldn't cost a lot. He was good last year. I just I don't know what the harm is in bringing him in. He would definitely be by far your best backup on the interior too. Um, he can't play center, so he'd be like a guard-only backup. But, um, you know, it, it, Justin Schaefer doesn't move the needle for me, so it, it's tough. But, Aaron, what do you think about left guard? Do you view uh, Elijah Wilkinson, since he apparently is getting reps there now, as like an actual competitor? Or, or do you think they still really need to add someone else going into training camp? Well, it's not surprising that Wilkinson's getting some some run there. Because I remember when him and, and Afedi signed, you know, I think a lot of people – expected a Fetty to be the the Mayfield competition given that he had that right tackle guard versatility but the problem with a Fetty he spent his entire career playing either right guard or right tackle and we saw that transitioning from the right side to the left side uh for the first time in your in your life it, it doesn't always go in your favor with Jalen Mayfield last year and so it didn't make a ton of sense for the Falcons to do that again even with a veteran like Jermaine Fetty so Wilkinson has played at least a little bit of left tackle. I don't think he's ever played left guard before. Um, so I think it makes sense at this point in, in the offseason to sort of see what you have, if he's legit competition, or do you need to go out there and then, you know, a month from now or six weeks from now or whatever and bring in a Quentin Spain? Because as you guys are sort of hinting at, you want continuity. And the sooner you can get that guy in the building, the better. Obviously, you know, you don't have to get that guy in the building tomorrow because nothing's happening tomorrow unless he's, he, he's really desperate to get into this top golf game. Hey, I was going to say that that top golf <laughs> is happening tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, outside of that, if, if you know, if he's you know, more of a pickleball guy like the, like the Steelers <laughs> players are, you saw that meme running around, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like we can wait on Quentin Spade till, till late July. Uh, so, you know, that's what's interesting to me about the Wilkinson thing. But as you say, like, you know, it's not that, hey, Jalen Mayfield had a rough rookie season, you know, going to what Adnan was was hinting at. He had a historically bad season. When you look at his pro football focus passing grade, like pass blocking grade, like no player has who played as much as he did got as low a grade. There's been guys in the NFL that have gotten low pass blocking grades like Jalen Mayfield. So that's not unique to him. But most of those guys were backups that only got inserted in the lineup for a handful of games or those guys 
were in the lineup and got benched at some point because they were playing so poorly. That's essentially what we're saying with Jalen Mayfield. And so while we all sit here and hope that he is much better, and I agree 100% with you guys that I think he was not, he was essentially set up to fail uh, you know, by the coaching staff last year with how they sort of managed that whole situation. Um, you know, he, he'll be able to put his best foot forward, but I think everybody should be definitely questioning whether or not, even if he does, is that going to be good enough? Right. We're not just talking about a guy that's like, oh, like a below average starter, like Caleb McGarry. We're talking about a guy that's, you know, was historically bad, which usually is not, not a good sign, you know, like, you know, Nate Peterman's still kicking around in the NFL, but like no one's out here. <laughs> throwing him out here as a starter. He's always a third string quarterback where he rightfully belongs. And so that's, that's kind of the concern. Man, Nate Pierman catching strays tonight. <laughs> I'm a pit guy. So he, yep, he's yep. always in my heart, yes. uh, you know, in my head. I, I know where he, he, he belongs. Yes. You know where he, he belongs. He belongs in the third string. Yeah. It, we all hope Jalen Mayfield works out. We all hope that he pans out. It's just, this is a data-driven pod for the most part. You know, there's obviously some gut instincts thrown in, you know, because you guys need takes, and we don't always have the data to back up takes. We just have to generate the takes. But the, the list of guys who have played to Jalen Mayfield's level and become average to above-average starters, it's, it's not a long list. It, it's a tough hole for him to climb out of. It's not impossible. It is possible. The team seems to be giving him every opportunity to do so. But we're just concerned that if there's no moves made, and I know a lot of you guys understand this, like if they, they need to bring in somebody else, like you can't, the plan A and B can't be Jalen Mayfield. Like plan B can't be Colby Gossett. And maybe Elijah Wilkinson will be fine and he'll end up being a good rotational guy or backup that can that can step in. But I think we'd all feel a lot better with just an average to above average veteran like a Quentin Spain that could even be like a spot starter for a year for you. That would make me feel a lot better, personally. Even if, like, And then if Jalen Mayfield still wins the job, you're probably not paying Quentin Spain that much money. And, like, it, he's going to be a very good depth piece for you. So, you know, I, I guess I just don't get why, why you wouldn't do it. But, you know, it, it's, they want to give Jalen Mayfield a chance. Maybe they still will do it. Um, at this point, it's... It, you know, like like Aaron was saying earlier, they may not actually make any moves until like the week before training camp. That's not a big deal, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens because I think that's the one point on this offensive line where there's not really a, I guess, exciting competitor for left guard. Uh, and no offense to Elijah Wilkinson, I just think he's a better tackle. But um, you know, we'll see what happens there. I, I do think they'll add someone. I just don't know if it's going to be the caliber of player that we're hoping for. I, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, guys, before we talk about the the last few depth players here, because there are some interesting names, um, just want to remind you guys, uh, for those interested in donating, I know we had a question about how to donate. The link is in the show description at streamlabs.com slash the Uh, make sure to throw your questions on there. Uh, we'll answer any questions that come in for that and all the proceeds from the, the tips this month and next month are going to the training camp fund. Thanks to everyone who's contributed to that so far. We appreciate you guys and everyone for tuning in. Uh, you can check out the Patreon page as well uh, if you want to support us on a monthly basis. Uh, get access to some exclusive per- perks, including all of the podcast episodes as well in an ad-free, high-quality format. Uh, it's a new benefit for all of our patrons. And the fantasy leagues for the Patreon are going to be getting up and running here in the next few months. So if you're interested in taking part in those, uh, they're for patrons only. We had a lot of fun with that last year. I know 
uh, we're probably going to have to run two this year, but I know we've got a commitment from Dave Choate uh, to join the league, and I believe also from Adnan will be joining the league. So uh, you guys got some, some exciting fantasy competitors and you know uh you heard evan last on on last week's show that you know you guys gotta step your game up because it was evan and i in the championship so you know we need we need you guys to pick up the pace uh and actually give us a challenge next year so if you think you got what it takes you know let me know uh, all right a couple just a couple more guys to get to here uh we talked about all the starters and all the the big time competitors um at offensive tackle there's a few more names to consider uh, Rick Leonard, I think like a former fourth round pick of the Saints, uh, who has great measurables. Uh, Leroy Watson, who was a, an undirected free agent from this year. And then Tyler Vrabel, uh, an, an undirected free agent from this year as well. Possible guard convert. Um, I mean, I think these guys are probably competing for practice squad spots. Um, Leroy Watson is a tight end convert, so that's a little interesting. I, I, I'm interested to see how he looks there. Obviously, a good athlete. Um, but yeah, you guys have, have any takes on, on that practice squad battle there for, for these remaining offensive tackles? I, I have a Leroy Watson take. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Leroy Watson. Hell yeah. Um, I, I watched him a little bit uh, cause I, I watched D'Angelo Malone. They played UTSA twice last year. Oh. And so I, I got to see Leroy Watson get after it basically as a blocking tight end against D'Angelo Malone. I thought he did a, a really good job. Go, you know, he, he was, he was being very scrappy as a blocker. There, so like you know, I was a very big Daniel Brunskill advocate back in the day, as a former converted San Diego State tight end that the Falcons tried out at right tackle, and has basically spent the last like four years starting games for the 49ers at yep. right guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you know, I, I'll again plant my flag again and be an early adopter on the on the Leroy Watson bandwagon, and you know if he doesn't work out to be anything, um, then uh, you know. No one will care, you know. He's he's so low key that you know I can be like Leroy Watson. I don't even know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. So that that's my Leroy Watson take. Yeah, no, I like it. That you've watched more of him than I have uh, so far, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's always interesting when you see a position switch because it means they really like the player, but they just think you know it's going to be tough. The math would be tough at tight end, obviously, because I think the Falcons basically have a four tight ends pretty much set. So it's going to be tough to make it there, but at tackle, you know, practice squad, especially there, there's definitely opportunity there. Um, yeah. I, I think Rick Leonard's interesting. He's bounced around a bit, you know, Fontenot had experience from the time he was with the saints, really big player. Uh, I think he's like really tall. I think he was like six, eight or something. Um, just more of an athlete, but he's been in the league for a few years now. So maybe he's finally starting to put it together. I think, I think Rothstein was saying that Leonard was working in with the veterans at some point. Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out where it was. I thought he said he was the backup left tackle. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Yes, the backup left tackle. So that means he's probably getting at least some opportunity to compete for the swing tackle job or one of the depth spots. Um, I don't know that he's played any guard, so that might make it a little bit tougher for him. Um, because if you're not the swing tackle, you got to be able to play guard too. Uh, which is why I'm pretty confident, you know, Elijah Wilkinson's going to make it, even though he might not actually win the swing tackle job because he plays guard too. Um, but that's interesting. And then Tyler Vrabel is the last name. I know a lot of uh, fans are high on him. I think he probably has to convert to guard though, uh, for the same reasons that McGarry had to convert to guard. But I think he's a good player. He's sort of the anti uh, Jalen Mayfield uh, because 
he has the short arms, but he's like technically sound and really scrappy and all this stuff. Whereas Jalen Mayfield, I feel like was more raw, but you know, this athlete and Vrabel's more of like the scrappy lunch pail guy, but they both have to convert to guard basically is, is the end, the end scenario there, but he is interesting. Uh, none, you got any takes on the, on the ta- on the depth tackles? I think Vrabel will at the very least make the practice squad. Uh, you know, that's my undrafted guy to watch this season. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's other than that. No, we're we're talking backup offensive linemen in June. <laughs> what but, else are we going to talk about? You know, <laughs> we're over an hour and ten. We've been you guys have been doing great. It's tremendous work by you two. Um, so you know, shout out to you guys. But we're almost done. Couple uh, more. I, yeah. I'd rather we live stream us playing a game of to- or having a night of Top Golf. Oh yeah, I yeah. Hey, if somebody wants to pay for us to go to Top Golf, I'm I'm down. I'm totally down. I'm very. I've never really played golf, but you know, top golf sounds great. You know, sounds like anybody can be good at that, right? Isn't that the one where you sit in that big building and you just like hit balls out of the side of like an air conditioned room? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty great. That sounds good, honestly. So I, th- I feel like you don't have to be good at golf for that. It's like you can just hit balls, right? So, um, you know, no one pays that much attention to where they're going, right? So, yeah, sounds fun. Sounds fun. Good job, Falcons. Um, all right, couple more interior uh, interior guys to talk about here. We got Ryan Newsel, the undrafted free agent from last year, who actually was good in the preseason, stuck around all year. Uh, I think Newsel was like the best offensive lineman in the preseason last year. Interestingly enough, so he is he returns. Uh, we talked about Colby Gossett a little bit. He was one of the primary backups. Didn't see a lot of run last year, and then of course we have. Rookie Justin Schaefer, hashtag go dogs. Um, yeah, Adna, what do you think about those interior depth guys? You see any of those guys realistically challenging Mayfield, or is this more of a practice squad competition? Uh, no, I don't think anyone, any of those guys are really going to challenge Mayfield. Um, and to be honest, I'm not confident with any of those guys starting in week one, even above Mayfield. Um, Schaefer was drafted by the team. So, you know, he has an inside track of, you know, possibly making the roster and even making it to the practice squad, if not. Um, I think we saw last year, Frank Darby just did nothing in training camp in the preseason. I think he still made the practice squad after being drafted by, uh, by the team. Also in the sixth round, if I remember correctly. Um, Gossett's probably going to stick around as the backup guard. And Newsel, I don't have any Ryan Newsel takes, but I know that that was Evan's guy. I think Evan kept talking about him in the preseason. Yep. So it's a, it's a shame that he's not on the show today to give his Ryan <laughs> Newsel takes. Yeah, Newsom was good in the preseason. I, I thought he was one of the more impressive undrafted linemen, but, you know, he had a tough... He tough... was the only impressive yes, Falcons yes. lineman because everybody else was pretty terrible last preseason. So, <laughs> so you've got Newsom takes, Aaron, then. Yes, I, I, I'm a big fan of Ryan Newsom, you know. Uh, he suffers from the same issue that a lot of the Falcons offensive linemen last year seemed to be plagued with, which is short arms. Mayfield's yeah. got that issue. McGarry's got that issue. Dolman. Hennessy, all those guys. And now it seems like the Falcons are making an effort to not bring in short arm guys, which something I, I talked about last year as potential consequence if this offensive line doesn't come together the way we want it to. Um, 
So, you know, it's interesting with Schaefer because I think a lot of people when we drafted him were expecting him to make a real push for for Jalen Mayfield. And it seems like so far, like that's not necessarily manifesting. Maybe things pick up when we get to training camp or whatever the case may be. But yeah, in terms of Justin Schaefer being the quote unquote savior at left guard, you know, that brand has taken a, a devastating blow so far at this point in time. I was not a believer in that brand by the way, but, uh, you know, it just, it's yeah. tough look for those guys. Yeah. Tough look for just the Justin Schaefer hive. I believe uh, Charles McDonald's says he was like, Oh, we drafted the wrong UGA offensive lineman or something. No offense to Justin Schaefer. I'm sure that I like Justin Schaefer too, but it was shocking to me that Jamari Salyer actually went after Schaefer to the point where you sort of feel like it has to be medical or something like that. Because, when I watched the tape, one of those guys really popped, and the other one just looked good, and it was not the one we drafted, uh, sadly. Good, good might be a strong word for what Justin Schaefer looked like. So. <laughs> fine. He was fine. Well, he was fine. Yeah. The rest <laughs> of the UGA offensive line was pretty damn good. So, yeah. You know, it, it, the rest but, of them uh, were fine. We're good. Yeah. 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 He was so, fine. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I sort of view him as like a depth guy. Uh, you know, we'll see if he ends up making the roster. I mean, I think. Being a draft pick, he's got an advantage. Obviously, they they've invested something in him, but it wouldn't shock me if he didn't make the roster. To be honest, I know that might shock some people, but like really late sixth round pick, you know, it. it I think he was in the two hundreds or something like that in terms of where he was picked. So, um, no, wait, that was that was John Fitzpatrick. Okay, shout out Justin Schaefer. He was inside the top two hundred, so it's a little bit. A little bit more of a valuable pick there. We could have had the punt god, right? Or something. <laughs> no, the punt god went earlier. Punt god went earlier. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it, it'll be tough for him to to crack into the rotation. And as far as I know, he doesn't play tackle, so it, it might be tough for him to make the roster this year. We'll see. Um, usually, those final roster spots go to either like like if they keep eight. If you're not playing multiple positions and you're not the swing tackle you're not making it. If they keep nine, there's a chance that Justin Schaefer makes it. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But if they're keeping, you know, four running backs and a fullback and four tight ends, like, are they keeping nine offensive linemen? I don't know. Uh, you know, the math might get a little sketchy there. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But um, yeah, any any final offensive line takes from either of you guys before we uh, we wrap it up? I think we've covered every single player on the depth chart. So we really need them to be good. <laughs> please, yeah. Please, for the love of God, just just one year. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, it would be a slap in the face to Matt Ryan, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> if the so offensive leaves, line, yeah. if the offensive line was just inexplicably good, and it was like the same guys from last year, and you know yep. they all of a sudden learned how to pass block, and it's like, oh, they're yeah. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> they just it hated really, matt ryan yeah they just hate yeah that was the problem old stone feet matt ryan you know <laughs> beautiful gazelle person matt ryan just couldn't get out of the pocket you know yeah but, it'll be like that movie any given sunday where the quarterback <laughs> they just like absolutely hated him for talking so much shit and then the offensive line just let him get absolutely annihilated yeah 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 Ho- hopefully that wasn't the case because matt ryan's a saint not like a New Orleans saint, but like a good person. So, you know, thank God he's not a saint. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, guys, we appreciate everyone for hanging out. 
Um, oh yeah, Mad Tom K with the three dollars here. He says, "How funny would would it be if Schaefer becomes the next Wes Schweitzer?" Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, look, Wes Schweitzer's yeah, like the poster that. child. Wes, Wes Schweitzer's that, the poster yeah. child for uh, sixth round offensive line picks because Schweitzer was a that was a great pick. Like he started, pick, yeah. he was a really good backup look, for he, several years. Schweitzer was a polarizing player when yep. he was here. Yep. Like people, some people loved him, some people hated him. A lot of people were just lukewarm on him, but. Yeah. This is how bad the offensive line looks. That now we're like, ooh, that Wes Schweitzer. He was great when he was here, wasn't he? He was he was incredible. I'll take that he was the all best, day. Best left guard we've ever seen. <laughs> you know? Uh yep. so that's that's how low we've gotten where it's like, hey, Wes Schweitzer, man, that guy is great. Yeah. Yeah. Wes Schweitzer, man. Uh shout out. He's out, he's over there making making money with the Washington Commanders now. So good for Wes Schweitzer for, he's, for proving he's been all the He's been legit yeah. good in yeah yeah uh you know we could have just kept him here and you know left guard wouldn't be a problem but you know we didn't do that uh, we had to go out and sign you know jamon brown and james carpenter and you know 35 other guys that were all not good uh, in, instead in so. defense of the falcons we you know <laughs> I made a lot of jokes at their expense and, and how bad the offensive line was part of the issue in bringing up west schweitzer is topical because their coaching under chris morgan was not very good and now he yeah. in chicago being tasked to develop those offensive lines. Good luck, Justin. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, and the hope is that Dwayne Ledford actually does a good job. So if you're you're sitting here wanting to find reasons to be optimistic, find it in the hoping that the coaching is actually legit good now. And I, I think there's reasons to to buy into that hope. And if it is, then we will see big improvements from a lot of these guys. Uh, so that all this joking that we're doing, you know. <laughs> Uh, yes well actually be a joke and it'll be funny know, in hindsight yeah. yep yeah so yeah. that's the hope there definitely seems to be buzz that people really like ledford that he is someone that nfl circles respect and he's like he's a rising star which would be a nice change from the parade of offensive line coaches we had for a while that were not that so um yeah i i'm hopeful i'm hopeful for the future there uh and i i i uh you know i think the offensive line at like two out of five spots is like legitimately good at like, you know, three, maybe four spots is like, okay. And then at the fifth spot, it's like, oh my God, like, is this really happening? Um, you know, so that's concerning, but if we could just get the fifth spot to okay, I think they'll be fine. Like overall, like whether that's Mayfield getting to okay, miraculously, you know, we're all hoping and praying Mayfield, trust me. Um, you know, not just for us, but, you know, we want you to do well. We want all the Falcons players to do well. So I hope that he does get it together. I hope that he continues to develop. Benefits from not being completely hosed this year by the situation. Um, it's possible. Uh, but if they don't, you know, bringing in someone like a Quentin Spain, like we said, that would make us feel a lot better, I think. Because then we know the floor at left guard was at least Quentin Spain. And that's not a bad floor at all. That's fine. Um, so we'll see if that actually pans out or if they bring in like a Nick Easton or someone else, or maybe they sign Jonathan, Jonathan Harrison to be a veteran in that room. You know, we'll see, but we'll, 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 you know, I think, uh, there's potential for this group to, to surprise. And I think if this team ends up being better than expected, it'll be because the offensive line is better than expected. Um, so we're hoping for that. Uh, but it's still a little bit, uh, up in the air in terms of, how much is realistic to expect and how much we're going to be depending on Dwayne Ledford's coaching to get us there. And, you know, maybe that's a better bet than in years past, as Aaron said, but, uh, you know, we'll see to be determined. Um, 
And if we actually get to see the starters in preseason, maybe we'll actually have some intel before the season now instead of going into week one, you know, and then get obliterated. Uh, so that, that would be nice as well. Um, yeah, guys, we just really appreciate all of you for tuning in, hanging out with us tonight in the depths of the off season. Uh, like I said, you're welcome to donate to the fund at any time. You can use the link. Any tips or donations that come in while we're off the air, I'll get them and read them on the next show. So don't worry about that. Uh, if you miss the show or whatever and you still want to donate, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, like and subscribe. Those that haven't, those numbers really help us out. Leave us a comment. Uh, I'm trying to, to get better at responding to those. I, apparently the comments, you know, the algo gods need to be appeased. So, you know, leave those comments, folks. Um, yeah. And we'll be back. Uh, we will not be back next Wednesday. Uh, I'm taking the week off. Finally, we get a week off in, in late June um, because, look, this is the time to take a week off. There's, there's not going to be anything else to talk about. Um, the defensive line position, you know, recap, that can wait until early July. Trust me. Um, but we will have a pod for you guys on Monday. I'll be joined with Will McFadden. Um, that'll be coming out. And we'll be talking about some of this stuff, mini camp and, and training, going to training camp, that sort of thing. So look for that. Uh, but before we take off tonight, I want to thank my guest this evening. He is Aaron Freeman at Falc Fans, host of the Locked On Falcons podcast. Aaron, anything else you'd like to plug? No, check out Locked On Falcons after you, you drop off this. The tonight's episode just aired on Locked On Falcons YouTube channel, talking about the quarterback battle, having Thor Nystrom and Matt Waldman come on talk about Tyler Algier. The uh, tomorrow night on YouTube and Friday on the audio version of the podcast. I'll be giving my scouting report on, on Tyler Algier. So go check out that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some great guests. You know, we're going to have to up our game, Aaron. You're making us look bad over here with all these great guests you got. Well, you I know. saw Thor on, on your yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I'll allow that. I'll allow yeah. that. Matt Walbin. Now I got to set my game up. So uh, Matt's great. I love Matt. So I'm looking forward to that show. Um, also with us tonight, my co-host, Adonika. She's at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, I'm just... You know, as usual in June, I'm going to plug the the site. Uh, check out thefalcoholic.com. Uh, I also wrote an article that we did with with Target. Just uh, pretty much uh, sponsoring some gifts for Father's Day that the Falcon that are Falcons related. So if you want to check that out, feel free. Um, but yeah, our next uh, roundtable and. Uh, predicting each game will be going pretty soon as well so check that out um yeah yeah uh, the browns I'm, game yeah the that browns, one was yeah. hard to predict because i have no idea who the starting I have no idea who the, the quarterback's gonna be. It, yeah. it could feasibly be like mayfield or Brissett. it's probably not going to be watson it's probably not going to be watson but like jacoby Brissett is honestly not bad like he's like a perfectly fine stopgap starter but like yeah, that's a tough one to predict because I have no idea. Because it doesn't seem like it's going to be Mayfield. It doesn't seem like it's going to be Watson, certainly. So um, we dodged a bullet there, folks. You know, so. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> just, the, just saying, you know, how right we were about that whole situation. So. Uh, l- let me just say the offseason will be a lot more exciting in a very bad way if that Watson trade was uh, was consummated. Be looking down the barrel of being a terrible team for the foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah. I am looking no forward hope. to yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing just how long he gets. Like yeah, it could be a long, long time. It seems time. like we're getting two new allegations come out every week. So by the time they actually make a decision on the suspension, we could be at like forty allegations. So yeah, we'll see, considering how long the NFL seems to take with this stuff. So uh, I don't blame them for it, just because yeah. like, you know, 
why like it doesn't matter if they like give it now or like suspend him like next month or like in the next couple months but you know now they can just like wait and see just how many of these allegations come out yeah it's certainly not a good look for anyone involved um but guys thank you all for tuning in i'm kevin knight at falcoholic kevin on the twitters um you can check out my stuff i've got player profiles coming we're into the edge group now. I think today was uh, Lorenzo Carter. Tomorrow we'll get AK-47, uh, Arnold Evacay's profile out there. Going to have uh, Ogun Digi and D'Angelo Malone coming pretty soon as well. And then um, there will be some coming next week. I don't know how many I'll get to because I'm technically off. But I'm going to try to pre-write some. So you might get a few defensive tackles too next week. Uh, but otherwise, we'll be back the week after for the next Falcoholic Live where we'll be breaking down Probably very little news, but the defensive line review will be coming. So that's always a lot of fun. That's a a position where we've seen a lot of turnover. So again, guys, thank you all for listening, for viewing. Uh, For those of you in the the chat, we thanks for everyone for hanging out, for, for chatting with us tonight, for all of the podcast listeners. We appreciate you guys as well. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Until then... Have a great night, folks. Have a great next week. We'll see you then. Peace, guys.